Live. It's America's longest running talk show on computers. It's Computer America, bringing you the biggest names in technology with guest interviews, new products, and your emails. Listen live at ComputerAmerica.com on any device around the world. Email the show at live at ComputerAmerica.com or find us on social media. Be sure to check out our website for contests, giveaways, show notes, live video stream, podcasts, and more. You're listening to Computer America. Hello and welcome into the Computer America show. We are the nation's longest running, nationally syndicated radio talk show on computers and technology. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Ben Crossman, and I hope all of you are having a great Friday. And hey, you're ready to get into, uh, I'm sorry, you're ready to get into some Computer America. Wow, this is going to be good. I can tell already. So everyone, welcome into the program. Thank you for joining us. And today on the program, if uh, you know you didn't check out the show notes, well, we have a very exciting company joining us. Uh, well, uh, we will be interviewing Itaquad, or yeah, and I believe that's how you say it. And you know, we'll get all that and more about the uh, the company, the name, what they do, how they do it. Uh, you know, as usual, we like to find very interesting companies for you and really get into you know just hey everything you know how they do it, why they do it, what they do, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So sit back, relax as we get into this. So a couple of things, including the show notes over at computeramerica.com. That's where you'll find everything from the uh, a link to our guest website, any articles that we do later on in the program, just anything that we mentioned here on today's show will be in one place. So if you're in your car, if you're driving, if you're listening to us where you're not near a computer, don't worry, we got you covered. Uh, also, while you're there, be sure to check out the social media contest brought to you by Logitech and check out the live video feed brought to you by OWC. Okay, so all that and more at our website. Be sure to uh, to check out you know uh, the show notes again. Very important. So why don't we go ahead and just get started with today's guest? So again, company Itaquad, and uh, yeah, and joining us is Mr. Bill Vergentino, and he is the co-founder and CEO of the company. And I want to welcome him onto the program. So Bill, how you doing? Welcome onto the show. I'm doing great, Ben. It's great to be here with you and your listeners. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, my pleasure. So, yeah, and um, so a couple of things, obviously, a uh, very interesting name, but uh, why don't we go ahead and get some background on the company in general at first? Uh, you know, I see here, again, co-founder, so you've been, you know, you've been here since the beginning. Uh, what brought about the, the founding of this company? And tell us a bit about yourself. What is your, what is your background? Sure. Um, you know, background as it relates to technology is, uh, you know, I've been in sales kind of all my life, um, but in technology, going back to 1994, got into the space, um, was a part of a software startup company. Um, I've been a part of five different software startup companies, either as a salesperson, a field-based salesperson, a VP of sales at a couple of them, um, a CEO for 12 years. Um, but ultimately, I've loved being a part of a, an organization where a group of people come together for a common objective and, and, and try to you know, work together to, to succeed. And each of the five software companies I've been a part of um, have either gone public or gotten acquired. So they've been very exciting runs trying to figure out how to go to market, who to target, how to be effective at that. And this company, Itaquad, is the sixth company that I've been a part of. And as you said, it's the first that I've actually, you know, you know, been the visionary behind and, and been a co-founder of, which is a whole other set of exciting, you know, experiences. Um, so we've been at it for the last two years. And why did we start it? Mm -hmm. 
We started it because although I've been in technology for the last 24 years and have benefited from what the world of CRM or customer relationship management software has introduced, I believe that I've experienced and had to deal with um, many of the, the benefits of them, but also a tremendous amount of frustrations and challenges associated with either as an individual salesperson, sales manager, an executive collaborating with other disciplines, or a CEO of a company trying to maximize the value of our CRM system um, to do what we intended um, and get the value out of it that we intended to get out of it when we subscribed to it. So we thought that there needed to be a new approach that after 25 years or a quarter of a century, which might be surprising to your listeners that that's how long CRM has been around, um, that it was time for a new approach, a new architecture, much like every industry goes through, where there's success and, and there's leaders. Ultimately, you know, there's pain that's experienced along with the value, and ultimately somebody needs to come along and begin to disrupt kind of what the norm has been. Uh, and, and hey, that's uh, that's where we find some very interesting ideas. We've we've seen it all the time. Though I will ask you to kind of you know backpedal just for one second. Uh, we you know mainly uh, we have on like uh, I don't know I'd say like consumer electronics things like that. So uh, you know cus uh, customer relation management. I know yep. that uh, you know you kind of spelled it out there for us. But how does that actually relate to I guess an uh, an I'm sorry, how does that relate to an individual who maybe is interacting with these larger companies? It, like, is this the software management or is this the uh, the part where, I don't know, if someone's trying to sell you something? Is this the part where you're trying to get customer support? Uh, where does this system, you know, kind of come, like, how would most people uh, know about this system? No, it's a great question, Ben, and I, I'm glad you, you kind of pulled it back a little bit. So when I think of a business, the most you know, I think so many times people dive into the details too quickly. They talk about bells and whistles. They talk about nuances of running a business, mm -hmm. and they fail to take a step back and realize what is the objective of the organization. If you're a for-profit, your, your job is to kind of acquire customers, keep customers, and drive profits. If you're a nonprofit, your job is to to bring in donations, minimize spending, and you know help as many people as possible. So at the highest level. To me, no matter whether you're a for-profit or you want to help you know, a, a cause in the world, you need to exist. And in order to exist, you need to acquire customers and keep them or mm -hmm. acquire donations. And so from our perspective, the primary objective of a CRM system is to enable an organization to begin to understand who it is they want to target to um, potentially communicate the value of what they're offering um, to, to that marketplace and to enable them to more effectively and efficiently acquire customers and then ensure that they're learning from the customers over the course of time what is needed, what's expected, how do we need to evolve our offerings so that we can more effectively not only acquire more customers in the future but keep the customers that we've got satisfied. So for us, CRM starts with acquiring customers. It's a software system that enables you to document information about people and companies and organizations that you may want to sell a software, I'm sorry, not software, sell a product or service to, mm -hmm. and then ultimately manage a process in interacting with those companies and people that leads them to becoming a customer. And then once they are, you want to support them. You want to learn from them. You want to evolve the relationship with them, and you want to keep them as a customer. Uh, and and I like the way that you put that. I think a lot of times, uh, you know, I hear this very almost adversarial approach when it comes to, you know, customer sales, corporations, like, you know, corporations are just after your money and they're trying to figure out how to, you know, take as much money from you. But, the, you know, the way that you worded that, I really like that because it's, it's not so much that they want, you know, all of your money. It's that what you pay them, they want to give you the most service that you possibly can to keep you as, you know, keep you as a customer going forward. And it's not, you know, it's not you against uh, the company. It's more, you know, just making sure that the company is providing everything that it can as best as it can, I guess. And, th and that's where you come in with your software to make sure that dialogue is happening. It's not just, uh, you know, hey, we got them, you know, good for us. Now we can move on to other things. Well, Ben, if I could, I mean, what you just said is so insightful right there. I mean, honestly, it, it, and, you know, I often talk, whether it be with my kids or with friends and family or whether it be, you know, the team members here at our company at Itaquad, um, whether it's a relationship between two people or whether it's an organization trying to find a new customer, it all starts with open communication and aligning expectations. And there doesn't need to be an adversarial relationship, and somebody doesn't have to win. I think the best relationships, whether it be a company with its customers or a person-to-person, -person, start with 
clear understanding as to what you hope the relationship to be, what value you hope to bring to them. And if you don't understand it, you try to explore what either frustrations or issues they're dealing with, or if they don't have what they think are frustrations and issues, you may be presenting what opportunities for optimization and improvements might exist that you can help with. And only then, if one of those things resonate, do we have a path forward to explore further whether what we offer can meet or align to those needs or, or those optimizations that they are wanting to pursue? And if they don't, it's in no one's best interest to move forward and try to acquire them as a customer. You know, So I'm all about this software enabling not only organizations at a macro level, but then as you drill into it, you know, sales regions or you know, divisions, sales regions, sales people, support people to all have that mindset where, look, we're trying to find good fits for us. And good mm -hmm. fits are where people have frustration that we can address or where they have the ability to take advantage of optimizations that we can help them with. And if we can align that, their needs um, with that, what we have to offer, well, now it's worth our time and effort to pursue them because we're going to make them happy. Right. They're going to talk about us and we're going to keep them. And keeping a customer, as you know, is you know, a lot more valuable and profitable than the, you know, the time and effort and cost it takes to go find a new one. Yeah. Right. Yep, exactly. So, and uh, it, that all makes perfect sense. And again, I like the way that you put it. Let's talk about, you know, you said that this, uh, you know, this kind of thing has been going on, especially, you know, the software side of it has been going yep. on for 25 years, I believe you said. Uh, you know, you have, uh, you have two pictures of, you know, one very unorganized closet versus one very <laughs> organized closet on your website. By the way, anyone watching the video portion can see us, you know, kind of browsing through your website. Um, I would assume that this is obviously an analogy to uh, past versus what you're offering. What you know, just I guess the highlights. You know, we only have sure. uh, we only have a couple minutes, but yeah. um, give us the highlights. What's been going wrong with CRM in the past that you are looking to address? Like, why is it so disorganized and chaotic? No, it's an awesome question. All right, so. Obviously, we first are, we're the first to acknowledge that what CRM brought to the table is a tremendous improvement over the old-time paper Rolodex from the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and then contact management software like Acton Goldmine in the 80s. Um, but where it's been going wrong since the mid-90s is that much like a junk drawer that we can all relate to in our kitchen yeah. or a, you know, a <laughs> closet in a bedroom or our garage, we tend to have a place where we just throw things in, right? And no matter what it is can get thrown in there or jammed in there, which makes it hard to put more things in. Um, and, and also when you, when you want to retrieve something, you don't know where to look, right? And it's not easy to retrieve things. Well, that is what traditional CRM, we call it traditional CRM. What CRM's been in the last 25 years, we refer to as traditional CRM. That's what it's been. It's been a great open closet, if you will, um, where you can store information about accounts or companies and people within companies and organizations that you're trying to sell to. And what happens is that the salespeople or inside salespeople, field people, anyone in the company using it, capture different type of information about people and companies that they deem to be relevant and, and critical for them to know to, to try to pursue a sales cycle and that the, you know, they think the company should know. Now, the problem is you've got different data being captured by every different salesperson and put in different locations, many times hidden in notes where people need to scour and trying to find the information. So... At its core, much like that junk drawer, is two fundamental problems that's emerged. One, the data that's available and captured by salespeople who try to pursue a new customer mm -hmm. is inconsistent, and as a result, the efficiencies of salespeople converting leads and opportunities into customers is also inefficient and inconsistent. And, and um, companies consistently struggle with, how do I get salespeople to be more effective? Well, you're not going to until they begin to capture only relevant data, no more, no less, and consistently across the entire team. So consistent data capture that not only the sales team can capture to close a deal, but that the rest of the company can learn from. Like if you're head of marketing, if you're head of product management, um, if you're the CEO, you want to know what's the sales team seeing and hearing out there. Hey, who are we competing against? What are the features that our customers want? Why did we lose that deal? Why did we win that deal? Well, the problem with traditional CRM has been that data is not easily accessible. It's captured in a different way from rep to rep. And on top of that, not only is the value of the data not there, what really frustrates everybody, salespeople, sales managers, heads of marketing, is that it just takes too long to use the system. Whether you're the one entering the data 
It takes hours, whether you're the one trying to find the data and put it to use, it takes too long. Whether you're the head of marketing trying to know what is working so that I can modify our communications and messaging and our lead generation, or whether you're the head of products and services saying, hey, I want to know what feature we need to embellish further because it's resonating, or what feature we need to build because our customers need it and we're losing prospects and, and new customers because of it. That's just not easy. So the time it takes to use the system has been a problem. And the second is that the data is not bringing the value that's needed to either win business now mm -hmm. or help the rest of the company learn what changes are needed to more effectively win customers in the future. And I, I can see where obviously that could, um, you know, where that could happen, especially as, uh, you know, over, over the years, because, you know, what may have attracted uh, an organization to your company, you know, at first may not be uh, their needs, you know, kind of as they evolve going to the future. And, you know, being able to, I guess, not just keep offering the same service over and over again, but to, I guess, kind of look ahead, you know, look into what they're looking into going forward. Um, I, I, I guess I could see where every individual salesperson wouldn't be able to even, you know, I, I guess, categorize and file and you know organize all that data over time you know especially one that's, that's right. uh, you know just jumping into it in the middle this seems like a real problem for you know organizations that you know don't have one dedicated person for each account which you know happens a lot especially in larger businesses um how did you fix them i i mean is this uh you know I guess we've fast entered a day and age over 25 years. I mean, looking at just the consumer things that I think people are used to, uh, you know, things like Facebook and, you know, a lot of documents are now handled strictly on computers uh, over the 25 years. I mean, it's, I think personal data management has gotten better. Um, I don't know if, uh, you know, if that trans if that has translated yet into a corporate setting. What have you well, changed you, you about it? I agree exactly with what you just said, Ben. I think you know individual data management and activity management has gotten better. Um, but at the end of the day, I think if people don't feel as if they have to manage their data and their activity in an efficient way or within a software system and, and no one else is using it, putting to use, valuing it, overseeing it, they'll tend not to. And, and they just get too busy and they kind of get away from it. So even though it's better, it's not ideal. But even when it's great, um, the problem is that inconsistency again. So even if you know, Ben, what questions to ask and what information you need to talk, uh, understand about a prospective customer to help them through that process of aligning expectations and turning them into a customer, how you go about it and what information you gather may be different than how I do it. So if the company is trying to learn from both of us what we're seeing and hearing and why we're winning, why we're losing, they don't want to inefficiently try to open up all the drawers in the house and the closet seeking this data. They'd like it to be consistently captured, easily organized, and easily consumed, not across one deal or one perspective sales opportunity, but all of them, and slice and dice. So when I go after a small business, how are we winning? Why are we winning? Who are we beating? Who are we losing to, et cetera? Um, so how did we address it is when I first got moved into a head of sales job 20 years ago, I, I took a step back and I said, it's all about what are we trying to accomplish in this case as a sales team, we're trying to find and acquire new customers, and how do we leverage our resources, which is predominantly time, in the most efficient way possible so that we can maximize that output. And you know, it was all about, I need to understand this following information. I need to understand what the needs are, either the pain or the interest levels of a prospective customer, who I'm talking to, their roles, who else am I competing against? What are they considering? What do they like about those alternatives? What do we have to offer? And how well does what we offer align to what they're looking for? And then from this point forward, Ben, how do we get from where we are to ultimately you becoming a customer? What do you need to go through? What do I need to So that I thought about it and I go, you know what? There needs to be a clear, easy to understand and consume structure for each salesperson to consistently capture the same data in the same way without having to refer to manuals and, 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 and documents and PowerPoint presentations to be reminded of it. I guess, the, so, and I'm sorry to jump in here, but yeah. um, I, I guess one of the reasons why that wouldn't happen in the past is because like unless you have like a really good form i'm not saying that it's impossible i'm just saying yep. that a lot like one size doesn't fit all but it sounds like you're trying to make maybe not a one size fits all but you're trying to make you know the data that like if you fill this out you're going to be able to find what you want to find like it's uh 
Yeah. That's just it. If you fill this out, you're going to understand what you know and don't know and how to navigate most effectively a sales cycle to win the customer. And then at the same time, that data, if consistently gathered, is going to be used by heads of marketing, product management, your sales management, and the C-level to, to understand in generalized way where we're winning, where we're losing, you know, why, and, and, and therefore we can redirect our resources to most effectively improve our ability to, to acquire customers in the future. So Itaquad was kind of a, a, you know, a way of going about it. Itaquad, and I would say, Ben, whether you're going to go buy a car and you're going to decide, hey, what do I need this car for? What am I really looking to get out of it? What features and functions do I want? What else am I going to consider? What's the pros and cons of each? You know, you're going to go through the same process when buying a car or when buying a home as someone who's evaluating CRM software is going to go through. They're going to think through what are we trying to get out of this, or someone's going to help them understand what they're going to try to get out of it, and then they've got to consider, you know, each alternative and the pros and cons. I mean, there's a methodical way of thinking, and any more complex is overkill and wasted time. Anything less, you're guessing. So, Itaquad is a couple things. It's an interesting name. It's rare. I mean, you did a great job pronouncing it. It's Latin for so what which is typically a question that I would often ask my salespeople when, they, when I'd say, hey, why do you think we're going to move forward and they're going to become a customer? I would inevitably get an answer that would lead me to go, so what? You, you clearly don't understand why they'd be motivated to do anything, let alone move forward with us. We need to better understand their motivations and how we're going to align to their expectations. And then ITAQUAD is also an acronym where it's a memory tool. Each letter of ITAQUAD stands for a piece of core information that if not gathered – you don't know what is necessary to manage a sales cycle, and the company doesn't have the ability to understand the data necessary to know where they should be directing the business and its messaging in the market. So like I is identify business drivers and needs. T is what is the team, the buying team that you're speaking to, their roles, their interest levels. A is what alternatives are they considering and the pros and cons that they perceive of each, et cetera. So ITAQUAD stands for a different type of information. Now, if you're a salesperson, I'm having a conversation. I'm not in front of a computer. I'm not in front of my training manuals from how to sell, but I certainly can remember Itaquad. And I'm having a conversation. I'm like, wow, Ben, you know, we're talking in my mind. I'm going, I didn't ask Ben about the alternative cars he's considering. <laughs> and I, well, you know what? I didn't identify what Ben's really going to buy a car for. Ben, why do you need a car? Right? Right. I, and, and, and yeah, all right. So uh, Latin for so what, and each letter stands for something different. I mean, very, very cool tools. And, uh, you know, obviously that philosophy is going to, you know, kind of drive what you do there. I did though want to, you know, kind of jump right into some of the features that you have here listed on your sure. website. Sorry to, you know, kind of break next speed this thing, no, no. but, um, you have a lot of different features here and a lot of them start with obviously IQ, Itaquad and IQ also yep. intelligence, things like that. Um, yep. Yeah, let's start talking about some of these different features because I feel like this is what, um, yeah, like I'm reading all these and I'm like, all right, so yeah. this would probably be handled, you know, kind of, uh, you know, by someone's intuition or uh, someone else would kind of uh, figure it out on the fly. But you seem to have a lot of, uh, you know, again, you call them features, a lot of things that, you know, it seems like if you just figure this out, fill this out, you're going to be good to go. So I don't know if you want to go straight down the list or uh, or if some of these IQ ones are you know a bit more relevant than others, but um, let's talk about, obviously, uh, things that are crucial to the platform that you provide. Sure. Let me categorize, because you know, the, the concept that we just talked through of Itaquad and capturing the right data, you know, th th that's independent of software, right? Somebody can yeah. be taught that and they can understand and think that way. What we did is the first critical set of features is, in addition to kind of what normal CRM does, we embedded this data structure, not only to describe a prospective customer, like demographic data, how big are they, where are they located, things like that, what industry are they in, but ITAQUAD in the acronym captures behavioral or learned information, person to person. So when Bill talks to Ben, he's learning things. Well, ITAQUAD is the framework for that. Well, we embedded what we call a skeleton. And every time a, a somebody that's gathering data clicks the letters of ITAQUAD, it, it'll show them in real time by color coding what they have, haven't, or to some degree captured in terms of the data that's necessary for that leader opportunity. So it's an immediate you know, knowledge of, hey, what do I have left to do and gather? When you click on each letter, we crystallize three things for the, for the salesperson. What information to capture, so what exactly is the reminder of the data I need to capture? We have guidance that pops out from the side if they need a reminder of the questions or script or conversation to have to gather that information, so it's a great training and onboarding tool. 
And then third is obviously, here's where you put it. So when Bill talks to Ben and learns why Ben wants to go buy a car, mm -hmm. he doesn't put that information in a note amongst a lot of other great data. I put it in the, in the identify business needs or, or key feature requirement fields, and um, now it's very organized. So that embedded structure is the first key feature um, that we build in the system. Um, so it crystallized what, how, and where. Now that we have the structure, now it's cool categories of features that do three things. We speed up the input of data because no one wants to spend more time than they need to. So for example, instead of typing a 350-word note that takes eight and a half minutes, and when you're in sales, Ben, you have many conversations like this. You get off the phone. You've written down notes. You now have to type it into the system. Well, Itaquad has microphones everywhere throughout its structure, and you just click it, and you speak into the system, and it's incredibly accurate talk-to-text. So now that great data about your business needs is being spoken in at 300 words a minute instead of typed in by a hunt-and-peck salesperson at 10 to 20 words a minute. That is, and, and, and by the way, you know, we've had a, a, I think most people would, you know, would know about Dragon. We've had a couple other companies on that have done voice recognition software, a uh, much bigger thing a couple of years ago, but now it's gotten so accurate that I think it's just, you know, it's not really a topic of conversation. It just works. It's a known technology. So very interesting that you were able to put that in there. Well, it's just, I mean, there's technology out there. So as you sit back and after 25 years, you know, some of the players get established, they get entrenched. You know, it's one way of doing things. It's hard to turn the Titanic. For us, it's like, okay, this technology exists. How can we apply it to address some of the key? So that's a perfect example of it. Mm -hmm. So speed to data entry is critical for us. The next category of features. So every feature we build then is either to, to crystallize and make accurate and compelling the data that's captured. The second category is speed to entering data, which we just talked about, one feature that does that. The next category is speed to consume the data. So if you're somebody in head of marketing or head of product management or a sales manager. Right? Oh. Hmm. Oh, we, uh, I, and everyone out there, sorry, we just, uh, we just dropped the call. We're going to have to uh, go ahead and get that call back in. So everyone just hang tight as we as we call right back. So everyone, again, we're talking to Bill from Itaquai. I've reached Bill Vergentino. Please leave a message and, and I'll be sure. Yeah, there we go. So uh, I'm sure that he's still hanging on the line. Hopefully he's not uh, you know, still talking his heart out. But uh, let's see, here we go, here we go, here we go. Let's give him another call right here. Again, Bill Vergentino from Itaquan. Here we go, let's see. So far, so good. Hey, Ben. Hey, Bill. Sorry about that. Uh, That's all right. Disconnection. We got you back. So you were just getting into the part about, uh, you know, so you can talk, uh, you can talk to input your, your information. You were just getting into uh, actually internalizing and uh, actually using the data that you're collecting. That's right. So the net result of it is we've got a lot of features that speed up the consumption of data for the person that's using it. So whatever your role is, given that we've organized the data, you can easily have only the pieces that are relevant to you in your role, whether you're head of sales, marketing, or product management. So when you log in, in one click, you're consuming only impactful data. So obviously, I'm not going to drill into further details. We've got limited time. The next section is uh, speed to collaboration. So if you have a sales team, whether it be even five people or 100 or 1,000 people, you've got managers overseeing groups of them. And pipeline reviews are a nightmare for both the rep and the manager because it takes forever to, to gather information on you know, that you want to ask the rep, then have the one-hour pipeline review, then have the rep on the other side hopefully take the right notes on what feedback you've given them. We've built in this speed to collaboration feature set where wherever you are as a manager, you can click in one, you know, with one click and consume all this information. And then if I go, hey, Ben, I love, if I love what you've captured, Ben, mm -hmm. I'm going to click a microphone right there, and I'm going to go, hey, Ben, I love what you've captured. Great job. Keep it up. You know, this is what I specifically like. Or if it's, hey, Ben, why did you forecast this? Because clearly you're missing a lot of information. I'm going to speak that into Itaquad. It's going to send you a message. Um, and if you set up the settings, it can send you an email and a message and notification within Itaquad or outside of Itaquad. Right. And when, now you've got a queue of feedback then of everything that your managers told you 
and each has a link that when clicked bring you right to the spot in the system that requires your action and you see the comments that I've spoken to the system right next to it and now you can say I've completed it and both the manager and the rep has now a working list that, you know, of what actions have been requested and, and what have been taken so that they can coach and collaborate more efficiently on deals. That's huge for, for sales teams. So, and, and a couple things there. And by the way, Bill, um, I'm not sure about your schedule, but would you mind staying over for a couple minutes so we can continue the conversation on the other side no, of the No, that'd break? be fantastic. All not right. at all. Perfect. So yeah, uh, we're about to go to break in just a minute. So I don't want to get okay. you talking too much, but uh, <laughs> I think that when we come back, we're I, I want to ask you about you just mentioned right there, uh, either within Itaquad or outside Itaquad, and that seems like a really important question because we've talked to a number of companies out there, and uh, you know sometimes people come on the program and they're like, "I have this great new idea. It's perfect. It's going to simplify everything," and you know it sounds great, but then you ask, "All right, uh, does it work with what's already out there?" And then they say, "Well, no. Everyone has to change over to our standard, and then everything works." It's like. Yeah, you know, in a in a in a dream world, like that would absolutely happen. Uh, they would drop everything, scrub everything, and completely go over to you. But you know, if uh, you know, they don't want to throw out all their research and all their hardware just to make you happy. So when we come back, I want to ask you: Is Itaquad completely self-contained? Does it work with other programs or other things out there? And uh, yeah, we'll get into that when we come back. So thank you, Bill. Perfect. So Bill, thank you for staying over. Everyone, Itaquad, Computer America, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Greece is cheap. But the airfare costs a fortune. Paris? Not much closer. And again, airfare. What about Puerto Vallarta? Let's face it, flying anywhere is just too expensive. Wait, what's this? low-cost airlines with one call to low-cost airlines you'll drastically slash your travel costs we're talking insanely low airline prices to any of your favorite destinations where would you like to go london rome costa rica australia wow that's cheap so why wait call now to learn how crazy cheap it is to fly anywhere in the u.s or international our prices are so low we can't publish them the only way to get them is to call to instantly hear the most amazing best deals on airlines travel. It's that easy. So call now and start packing. 800-215-4461. 800-215-4461. That's 800-215-4461. We are all Brother Wolf. Ten years ago, a group of locals banded together to create positive change. We took animals into our homes, held adoption events at local retailers, and talked to the community about our mission to help build a no-kill Asheville. A decade later, we have achieved so many victories for animals in need. There's been so much progress, yet there's still so much to do. As part of our year-long celebration, we encourage you to become a member of our special Compassionate Circle program. With a monthly donation of $10 or more, you will have behind-the-scenes access to the work we are doing at Brother Wolf. Our goal is to reach 1,000 members because we receive no government funding. Working together, we can help build and sustain no-kill communities. Learn more at CompassionateCircle.BWAR.org. We are a 501c3 tax-deductible organization. And welcome back to the Computer America Show. It is 32 minutes past the hour, and as we continue on here, we are talking to uh, yeah, we're talking to Itaquad. We're talking to Mr. Bill Vergentino, and he is the co-founder and CEO of the company. Very interesting so far. He uh, you know he agreed to stay, he agreed to stay over. But before we get back to him, one little thing that is uh, everyone out there, if you missed any part of today's interview and you feel like checking it out, check out wherever podcasts are heard. That's where Computer America can be found. And hey, you get today's show in its entirety rebroadcast. So if you feel like you want to time shift us or, you know, be a little bit more convenient for you, we, of course, enjoy being on the uh, on the on the IRN network. But uh, but yeah, hey, you know, make that available to you. Just that simple. So everyone, once again, uh, we continue on with Itaquad and, and, and Bill, um, you know, as I said before the break, I was interested to figure out that 
you know, like you said, this is this is an established industry. Uh, you said that you can't turn the Titanic. Uh, you know, it's not it's not that simple to. And you know, uh, I, I've seen it before where people are like, "Yeah, if you drop everything that you've ever known and you pick us up, uh, you're going to be better off for it." And while that may be true, it's really hard to convince people to you know abandon uh, you know things that have worked in the past. So. Uh, again, my question to you, do you work with other systems? Do you work with uh, email or more traditional means? Uh, I mean, what level did you really try to emphasize that, you know, this is going to be compatible with what you're already doing? Make everybody aware that we're actually within a few days and certainly over the weekend, I think we'll be introducing a lot more UI-oriented elements to the website so not only you can see and read about some of the features, but you'll see screenshots and video access. So I just want to make them aware of that sure. if they check it out. You know, um, but in relation to your question, you know, two, two responses to it are two different kind of things that it makes me think of. One sure. is um, you can't – one of the companies that I was at was a data integration company. So the whole world of tying applications together and acknowledging that companies use things other than just your application is something I'm really familiar with. And our company, out of the gate, immediately wanted to create an open application programming interface or API for those that are familiar with it so that it was easy enough for anything and everything to be written to enter into our system or to get out of our system so that we can play well with others. So that's, that's first and foremost. Whether we've built an integration or we didn't, the ability to do anything is available and possible to us um, pretty readily with an API that, like the one that we've documented and built. Now that said, what I've never wanted as a user of a CRM system or for our users of a CRM system is the fact to be locked to my screen to know when something of interest has happened. So whether it be um, I'm on the move, I need to have the ability to have a mobile application that's communicating with me, or if my means of communicating for 90% of the day with people is email, well, I want Itaquad to let me know by way of email that, hey, there's something going on here in Itaquad you might want to take a look at. So when I talked about inside or outside of Itaquad, what I mean is that we inside can enable people to communicate with each other. So, hey, Ben, I looked at this opportunity, and, I'm, you know, and it looks fantastic, and it shoots you a message inside of Itaquad, and it sends you a notification. But also, you as a, have a user setting to say, shoot it to my email as well, because I may not be inside of Itaquad, and I may be, want to be aware of it. The other means of notification is not person to person, but you, you may want Itaquad to tell you when something has gone on or has not transpired that you're interested in, meaning, hey, there's a new sales opportunity over $100,000 that's been put into the system. Hey, we got a new customer, and anytime a new customer gets closed, I want to know about it. Or, hey, Ben owns these five accounts. I want to know when Ben hasn't interacted with that account for like 30 days. Let me know that. So we want to enable communication and awareness and triggers, if you will, of, hey, look at me on things that each user can individually set up and say what matters to them most. And every company is going to be different. Every individual user is going to be different. That's why these are individual user level settings uh, to communicate. So that's what I meant by that. As it relates to do we augment an existing CRM system that might already be in place? Well, at this point, Ben, there's 91% of companies with over 11 employees either have or are implementing a CRM system. So if, if we... Um, if the idea of having to find companies without an existing CRM system was my only hope for Itaquad, right. it was a pretty foolish business endeavor. <laughs> but I do believe that with today's technology, both the ability to migrate data efficiently and with the fact that we have built um, – we've taken what people are familiar with with CRM, many of the core principles – and we've expanded and modified the definition of what CRM is to something we call structured CRM. So we don't want CRM to be the term. We want it to be structured CRM. So people will be familiar with the first of three components of structured CRM. The first one is what traditional CRM is. So when they log in, the, the approach and feel for many of the areas and objects are going to be familiar to them. So the learning curve is minimal. And then the other two areas is that structure we talked about, which is painfully clear when they log in to see what data needs to be captured, how to capture it, and where to capture it. And then once they're introduced to speaking into the system, well, they don't, they're not going to need a second lesson on that. They're going to be like, thank goodness somebody's finally done this. So what we've done is what we call acknowledge and expand um, in terms of sales strategy. We've acknowledged that CRM's done some good things, right. but we've expanded what it needs to do 
to incorporate this embedded data structure to make it easy for everyone to gather relevant, consistent data. And we've expanded what CRM has never done to include features that take advantage of that structure and speed up the entry of data, the consumption of data, and the collaboration of data. So, um, and the other thing we got going for us, as opposed to the 80s, Ben, sure. <laughs> in trying to change somebody from one CRM to a new one, is that software as a service is much like cable. The bill comes every month, every month, every year, and it's not a matter that I've already invested in the software. The money is spent, and I don't need to spend it anymore. So this new thing, if I'm going to replace it, had better be very compelling. Well, yes, it has to be compelling, and the value props are there, and we're excited about that. But the fact that each company is going to continuously each month or year have to renew their subscription with the old technology is a great opportunity for us to transition a client from their existing system to ours, which, you know, in the world of integration and migration of data and onboarding, we spend a lot of time trying to make that as seamless as possible. Um, but yeah. as we know, change is difficult, so everyone better see some value in making the change and buy into it, right. which is what we spend a lot of time thinking about. Right, and, 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 and you know, I wasn't uh, simply implying that you have to find people who don't have one. I was just saying mm -hmm. that, and, and with your open API, I think you answered that uh, very nicely. Uh, it's also about, you know, how easy is it to, to migrate to your software? Yep. And I guess with an open API, you know, you should be able to get as much data that you already have and bring it over, bring it on board, and you should be good to go. So uh, perfect. That's just what I wanted to hear. Uh, and I think one of the last questions, we're going to tie two of the questions that we have here together. Um, you know, what are some of the, what are some of the greatest opportunities for CRM or structured CRM? Uh, in 2018 and also into the future because you know uh changing changing what's been happening for the past 25 years is great uh looking forward to the next 25 years uh that's gonna be and you know i'm sure that you know this better than uh you know than myself and a lot of others uh data you know we we talked at the beginning about what's relevant data what's irrelevant data um the ability to collect data has skyrocketed like there's a lot of ways that people even volunteer data that they normally you know maybe wouldn't have even considered would be useful to anyone uh you're gonna have a lot of data and how that relates to a sales force how that relates to uh you know C ceos or what have you um that's gonna change over the coming years what are you looking forward to this year you know with your current lineup of products and what are you looking forward to in the future so incredible closing question here. So, you know, AI, artificial intelligence is a big buzzword. A lot of money's going into investing in companies that are all about it. Everybody wants to automatically evaluate and consume data and give people answers and learnings. I think of that topic much like a parent that's got a child and sets a horrible example for their kids. The kids are going to learn what they're exposed to and, and what life lessons have been represented to them or not and what examples have been set. Well, that's the same for artificial intelligence. If you've got some software that is artificially learning against data that has been inconsistently captured, it's the wrong or irrelevant data, it's not complete, well, that learning is not worth anything. So for me, I buy into artificial intelligence, mm -hmm. which is the automated approach to taking data that exists and passing back to the company things they should conclude. But it all starts with, is the data clean, complete, and consistent and relevant? So Itaquad's first pass was all about that. We want to be the owner of valuable customer acquisition and, and, and retention data that tells a company Who's your primary target audience that you should be investing your resources to pursue? Who are you struggling with and what you can do differently to, to better improve that? Um, who did you think was your best customer? And oh, by the way, this is reality and you should run from them. So we want to pass that data back in an automa automated intelligence, artificial intelligence way. But it started with where we were now. So where do we go from here? We go with taking this structure and, and continuing to improve the speaking and the efficiencies of getting data in. But where we want to go next, Ben, is the speaking to get data out. So we want to work on behalf of the client when they're not looking to, to go, here's what we've learned and send did you knows to them about their business and about what's going on across all aspects of selling and running an organization. Mm -hmm. The second thing is that we also 
want them to be able to talk into the system and say, not have to build a report or get a doctorate to learn how the report writer works and build a dashboard. We want them to be in a board meeting or in a meeting with their partner in the same office that they work and go, hey, do you know how many sales we had of that new product in the Eastern region or in New York last week? No, I don't. Okay, well, let's turn to Itaquad. Itaquad. How much of that ABC product did we sell in the Northeast region last quarter? And that, go, that voice not only inputs data, but it's going to retrieve data. So now efficiencies of getting data in and out, that's what we're all about. And it starts with quality, consistent data. So sorry for the ramble, but I love the question. That's where it's going. Artificial yeah. intelligence, I love it, but the data's got to be there. Yeah, uh, and and you're right. It goes by many names: AI, machine learning, uh, you know, what have you. But that is the dream: is that you give it, you know, the proper data, and then it is intelligent enough to not just, you know, repeat back to you like a Google search, but to actually, you know, hey, be uh, infer what you actually want out of, you know, out of your question. So very, very interesting. I'm glad that you are pursuing it. I know a lot of companies uh, that are doing the same thing. And, uh, but yours is honestly the first time I've heard it applied to a topic such as this. So that's, uh, that's exciting. Yeah. And, and Hey, and that's not too far away. That's, you know, easily within the next five years, you're, you're going to be looking at that. So, uh, very, very cool. And with that, Bill, I will say that, uh, sorry for keeping you over. Very interesting. I'm glad that we did though. Glad that you could say if people want to find out more, where can they go? Well, www.itaquad.com, I-T-A-Q-U-O-D.com. Um, we're on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter as well. So feel free to just search on Itaquad. You'll find information there, and you'll have ways of contacting us by way of that. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. And I've, Ben, it's been an absolute pleasure meeting you, and thank you so much for the opportunity to spread the word of Itaquad. <laughs> Uh, no, it, it's uh, honestly our pleasure. This was uh, this is not uh, obviously this is not a topic that we cover often. Uh, I like you said, I don't think uh, many people have really re revisited uh, CRM in the past twenty five years. But uh, you know what you're doing does sound very innovative. So hey, I'm glad that you could join us. And everyone, we have a link to the, to uh, to Itaquad in the show notes at Computer America right there on the homepage. So uh, Bill Vargantino, co-founder, CEO, Itaquad. Bill, until next time. Thanks so much. Be well, Ben. Take care. All right. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All, all right. And there he goes, everyone. So, hey, there's Itaquad and, um, man, CRM. You wouldn't think that, uh, you know, that would <laughs> – no offense. You wouldn't think that would take a 45 minutes of the program, but uh, I really feel like we could have gone longer. But very interesting, and I'm glad that he was able to come on the program. So in the meantime, we have 15 minutes left, and if you have been a, a rabid follower of Computer America, you know that, uh, that Computer America was not on the air Monday and Tuesday. Instead, we, uh, you know, we had a couple days off, and Wednesday, Thursday, uh, Darius Dirkshani and uh, Marcel Garnier, very happy to have them on and glad that we could get our Linux program on. But in the meantime, though, we had my point with pointing all this out is that we had no chance to go over computer and technology news. We've had a week uh, drought of computer and technology news. So that's why we're going to dedicate our last 15 minutes of today's show uh, and this week's show to computer and technology news. So here we go. Computer and technology news brought to you by OWC. Okay, so for our first story, we're going to do one about, you know, uh, one of my favorite topics, and this is graphics cards, because they're so powerful, they seem like such a, you know, kind of a snooze fest, but whenever I hear the latest, you know, specs about, you know, what was the NVIDIA, uh, let's say the, the NVIDIA Titan V, or, you know, the 1080 Ti, as opposed to the, uh, you know, the 1080, like, I like seeing those differences. I like seeing what's new and cutting edge with graphics cards because the faster they get, the more efficient they get. That means that we get a lot cooler technology that can follow. So that's why we have this article here from uh, The Verge. Here we go. And yeah, it's a leak. So leaks, rumors, uh, essentially our version of celebrity gossip where NVIDIA GeForce RTX 2080 Ti. So this is the first time that we're seeing a 20 blank uh, iteration of cards. So uh, 
although you know we've never heard of any 20 cards whatsoever we've you know 1080 1060 1050 or you know 950 960 what have you uh this is the first time we see this naming structure and the rtx 2080 ti so let's find out what this thing is so and by the way we're actually going to throw up uh, this video here on on the show and this is NVIDIA's RTX Cinematic Real-Time Ray Tracing. If you want to find out about ray tracing, check out some of our segments with, uh, with Darius Derekshani. And, you know, we describe just how impressive real-time ray tracing is. Because that means in real-time, like, you know, uh, let's say you actually playing a video game, it's going to make dynamic lighting. Like if there's actually a light bulb, uh, you know, above your character, it's actually going to render like that light bulb is giving off light. So, and that's just in the context of a computer game. If you put that in the context of a, let's say a movie or, uh, or any kind of artwork or things like that, uh, this means like, this is a very intensive and what was before almost impossible now is completely possible. So we're going to throw up that video while we go over the article, but just keep in mind ray tracing what it is and uh you know how impressive what they're showing off you know what they're actually showing off so nvidia has been teasing its upcoming geforce event for a couple of weeks now and it looks like the company will unveil a new series of geforce rtx 2080 graphics cards on monday so while the nvidia uh, typically launches uh, ti or titanium versions of its most powerful cards they said that NVIDIA will launch both an RTX 2080 and a 2080 Ti. So this is, a, and by the way, Video Cards is the publication that first uh, announced this, saying that they have a, they have provided what it claims are specifications for NVIDIA's GeForce RTX 2080 Ti. So this is their most powerful card, uh, even beefier. And it will include 11 gigabytes of GDDR6 memory with 4,352 CUDA cores. So CUDA cores, those are parallel processes. Very, very impressive. So they said that, uh, let's see, so 4,352 CUDA cores, and that's more than 20% more than the existing 3584 CUDA cores found in a GTX 1080 Ti and 70% more than the base GTX 1080. This thing is going to be a beast when it comes to actually uh, rendering things. You know, be that for, uh, you know, for video games, for, you know, rendering uh, movies or photos or anything like that. This thing is really, really powerful. So they said it's not clear what speed the car is clocked at, but the amount of CUDA cores will make it a very powerful graphics card either way. Again, that coming from the article. Saying that uh, they improved the memory bandwidth on GDDR6 will also mean that this is a very capable card. So NVIDIA's RTX 2080 Ti, uh, yeah, the RTX tw uh, 2080 Ti, it's, uh, here we go. They claim that uh, it will ship, I'm sorry, the base one, not the Ti, will ship with just under 3000 CUDA cores, which is 15% more than the, exist, than the existing GTX 1080. So even there, a moderate increase over the 1080. So it looks like they're really positioning this to be the RTX 2080 is going to be the spiritual successor to the GTX 1080. So 2080 above the 1080, and the 2080 Ti goes above the 1080 Ti. Quite a show. So they said that it's expected to unveil the new GeForce cards on Monday, so just after the weekend, so a couple days coming up, with a focus on support for real-time ray tracing to allow games to render new lighting effects. And they said that, well, you know, and the article goes into what I was just saying earlier, where you clearly notice a difference when you play video games between something that is pre-rendered, uh, you know, a, a cutscene, a cinematic, you notice that the lighting is very different. And so the hope is, if you can do that in real time, if you can do it as the character is controlling, uh, 
uh, you know, is controlling the pseudo avatar or whatever you want to call it. And essentially those lighting effects are happening as you're moving. The entire game is going to look like a cinematic. It's going to be a really big step forward if they can get this accomplished, uh, you know, yeah, well, if they can get this accomplished. So they, they said that the, uh, the G, let's say the GeForce RTX 2080 series of graphics cards will be based on the company's Turing architecture. So obviously the Turing architecture will be the next iteration of the NVIDIA architecture. But, um, you know, at, at the same time, the CEO of NVIDIA came out a couple of months ago and said, don't expect anything monumental for the next couple of years when it comes to graphics cards. And I think this, as as much as I'm excited about a 20% boost in performance, uh, a 15% boost in performance over the previous generation of cards, it does go to show that these things are 20% faster, 15% faster. They are not twice as fast. They are not... Uh, you know, they're not bounds and leaps ahead of their previous cards. Uh, this is not going to completely negate uh, cards that are already on the market, but it's a clear upgrade. And that is something, I guess, worth mentioning. So, you know, we saw that massive leap when we went from the 900 series of graphics cards to the uh, to the 1000 series of graphics cards. We're not going to see that again for quite a while. But I think no one will be upset if we can have 15, 20% year over year. That's something, if they can, if they can sustain that, a lot of people are going to be happy about that. So there you go. We're going to leave that one there. But uh, yeah, hey, new graphics cards, exciting stuff. Let's, uh, let's see, man, time for just one more story. So many that I really wanted to get out there. Let's go ahead and get ahead of this one. So kind of calling this one out more for the clickbaity headline than it would be for, uh, you know, actually a dig on Apple. So Apple, they're a big target. They are, you know, they're in the news a lot lately. They are very, I don't know, I guess, exciting to pick on, but there's this article floating around by Fossbytes talking about how a 16-year-old uh, hacker, well, he hacked Apple servers and stored data in a folder named Hacky Hack Hack. That's the kind of creativity you expect from a 16-year-old. But I digress. Uh, well, they said that, uh, you know, the article goes into talking about how Apple uh, tall claims of keeping your data secure were challenged by an Australian teenager when he re repeatedly hacked Apple servers and downloaded 90 gigabytes of secure files, quote unquote. So this was reported by The Age and The Age, uh, you know, the original uh, publisher of this probably did a little bit better of a job. Well, they, uh, they wrote that he hacked into Apple's mainframe compute, uh, computer, which uh, I don't think Apple even has mainframes, but okay. Uh, multiple times from his home simply because he was a fan of the iPhone maker company and dreamed of working for Apple. So when the article says that he got access to authorized keys, quote unquote, that could grant access to user accounts, anybody, uh, to anybody and are considered extremely secure. All right. So those authorized keys, quote unquote, those are called passwords. Many people make their password football one. Other people make their password it's a secret so that they can nudge their friend and go hey what's the password to the router and they go it's a secret and they laugh for like three seconds before they get hit upside the head because that's a played out joke um I, it's essentially what the 16 year old did he is not a super hacker he is not the uh you know the next coming of uh whatever hacking organization you can think of Essentially, he was able to get passwords to people's iCloud accounts. Be that through social engineering, as in he knew passwords from other services, go, you know, go on certain segments of the dark web. They have a master list of like 1.4 billion passwords and email combinations. He could have sat there all day and tried all those passwords and all those emails. 
and probably got into a few. And then any account that he was able to get into, he simply took all the files, downloaded them to his computer, and stored them in a file called Hacky Hack Hack. Um, yeah, it's not complicated. Apple was not really compromised. The individuals who stored their data on the iCloud, they were compromised because they lost their password and their username. As soon as that happens, the onus is not on Apple to protect people's data. It is the individual's fault for either having a weak password, being compromised on their system. There's really not much Apple can do to prevent something like this from happening because it was the customer. It was the user who lost their credentials and allowed this to happen. Admittedly, Apple could have done a couple of things such as, I don't know, geotagging. You know, if someone from the UK suddenly accesses their, uh, you know, someone from Australia accesses a customer in the UK's data, you know, five minutes after they just logged in, that's a red flag. You know, Apple could have been a bit more uh, observant, but it's not it's not really Apple's fault is the point of this. And this article really does make it seem like Apple was at fault. Um, they weren't. As, as, as much fun as it is to pick on Apple, it is what it is. So everyone, the music in the background means that we are just about done for today. So thank you so much for tuning into Computer America, however you listen to us. And uh, hopefully you had fun. And again, special thank you to our guests for joining us as we talk to Itaquad. A lot of fun. And uh, yeah, be sure to catch us here Monday through Friday, 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern. And uh, yeah, I guess uh, have a great weekend. Do something fun. Be sure to show up here bright and early, 4 p.m. And uh, for another week of Computer America. But in the meantime, everyone, be safe, be good. Catch you next time. Bye-bye.